Welcome to the Student of the Game Fire Podcast with your host, Danny B. Today's guest is Nate Sturm, 22-year veteran of the fire service, all career, who states he's still learning things to this day. District Chief with the Apopka Fire Department, Nate is the chief that never forgot his roots and remembers what it's like being a firefighter. You can follow Nate on social media where he shares conducting his various rigorous workouts in the Florida heat. One of my favorite quotes from Nate is this, a good home life makes for a better fire life. With that, I present Mr. Nate Sturm. All right. Well, uh, glad to be here. Um, extremely humbled. Uh, name's Nate Sturm. I've uh, been in the fire service uh, just at uh, 22 years. Currently serve as a, a district chief for the Apopka Fire Department. Um, been in the position little over a year now. I spent the majority of my career as a uh, company officer, a lieutenant on the engine uh, for about 12 years. My story about getting in the fire service really isn't anything special. Um, fresh out of high school, I had a high school sweetheart, uh, baseball scholarships, turned it down uh, for her, got married at a very young age at 19. I uh, didn't really know where I wanted to go in life. Uh, I was really attracted to the military. Uh, I tried enlisting a couple times, but at the time, my current wife was very against it. So uh, we kind of tabled that. Started working at UPS and uh, did that for a little bit. And then I got into a, uh, a company called Bell South Mobility. Uh, and I was a collector for them. I basically sat at a desk and called people and asked for their cell phone bills. Um, <laughs> and I did that for like four years. Um, how I got into the fire service was uh, one of my coworkers. He sat next to me, this guy, Mike, and he was bringing in an EMT book every day. His uh, father-in-law was a fire chief for a small uh, department in our, uh, in our area. And he was going through the fire program and I just kept seeing him thumbing through that EMT book. And I just kept questioning, Hey, you know, what is that? man? that's pretty interesting. And he explained to me a little bit about it, started talking to me about the fire service. Um, I remember, so the job that I worked for then they paid for 80%, um, or actually they paid, they paid for a hundred percent of your college education up to a certain amount, as long as you achieved an 80% or higher on your grades. So I said, what the heck, man? So I enrolled at our local college for the EMT program. I did that at nights. And I remember my first ride was with the Orlando, Orlando fire department. And I was completely mind blown, mind, mind blown out that this was a job. And I knew right then and there, this is where I wanted to be. This is what I wanted to do. It had the, you know, that paramilitary feel, which is what I've always wanted. Um, and then it just went from there. I did finish the EMT program, put myself through fire standards at night while I was working full time. Uh, got hooked up pretty quick out of school back then. It was really hard to get into the fire service. Uh, that was back in uh, 2000 when I graduated. And it was hard. I mean, we had guys that I, that I graduated with that took them two years to get a job. It was just hard. Um, got lucky. One of my good buddies was a personal trainer. Uh, one of his friends had some connections, asked me about my re- uh, resume, reached out to our fire chief. Next day, I got a phone call and boom, I was in. So I got lucky right off the bat, started with them back in February of uh, 01. And like I said, I just hit 22 years back in February of this year. Okay. All right. Uh, for those that don't know, can you tell us a little bit about Apopka, the size, um, uh, the type of services you provide, uh, call volume, things like that? Yeah, yeah. So we are, so when I started the department, we were only four stations. Um, since then we've grown and really it's in the past five years that our growth has been, I mean, it's jumping. We're, we're currently at six stations, um, 130 personnel, um, 
We're in the uh, process. We are uh, revamping our special ops program. Um, we're going to do uh, some, we're doing some good stuff with that. My entire career, we ran two man rigs. Wow. So I, I spent as a, as a company officer, as a Lieutenant on the engine, I, it was a two man rig. So my entire career as a Lieutenant on the, on the engine, it was just me and my engineer. Wow. Um, I did a lot of my, my first seven years as a Lieutenant, I did at an outlying station. So station one is our big station. Uh, we got like 14 to 16 guys and gals there. We, uh, Aside from our engine, we have two front run ambulances. So we're full ALS. Our engines are full ALS. Um, so we ran, uh, we run two ambulances out of there. We've got a, uh, a three man uh, ladder truck to, uh, tower. Mm -hmm. uh, we've got a dedicated heavy rescue now, which has two guys on that. And then our outlying stations, uh, it's a just a five man crew, three on the engine, two on the ambulance. Um, but like I said, when I started, shoot, I was a lieutenant at a four-man station. We didn't have a we didn't have a backwards guy, so we I ran a two-man engine for twelve years as a lieutenant. Um, learned a lot. <laughs> <laughs> learned a lot. Yeah, that was the bonus to it. The downside to it was, you know, there were a lot of times where you truly couldn't be an officer on scene because your your hands had to be. Mm -hmm. Um, if we ever caught a structure fire, the way it worked is one of the guys from the ambulance jumped backwards on the truck. And so then it was just us four that would be, you know, the, he would, the other guy would drive the ambulance and it would be us four. So me and another guy, just two man lines. I can't tell you how many fires I fought just two of us. And a lot of times I've gone in uh, solo. So wow. not, not a, not a thing to brag about. Um, you know, it, it, it taught me a lot, but here we are today. We've just increased our manning. We've put that third man. I didn't get a chance to taste that, but as a district, I'm excited to see it. And uh, we're doing more to, to build our staffing. We've got another group coming in. We're building our station six right now. Right now they're living out of a trailer and we've got a, a three man quint that runs out of there. The, their station is being built as we be, should be done this time next year. We'll put a rescue ambulance in there give them two more guys. And then probably in the next three to five years, we'll add our seventh station, which will hopefully mirror station one. So another ladder truck, another heavy rescue, an engine, it'll be another big house and that'll be on the North side of the city we're just growing so much residentially. Um, our city was founded on greenhouses. Okay. That's was early in my career. And now it's just, we're huge industrial and huge residential. So it's, it's, it's booming. And we got major highways that are now running through, through our city. We're kind of the connection between like Disney and Orlando. Uh, a lot of guys travel through there to get to Disney, go to the Tampa area, a lot to travel to the uh, East over to, Orlando and the north side um, from there. Okay. All right. That is, uh, yeah, that is interesting to, to hear. Yeah, two, two man engine company. Yeah. And, and, and I'm telling you, it was fun. And I learned a lot. I learned a lot. I wish I could have had a taste um, when we had that third guy. You mm -hmm. know, that extra set of hands was, you know, is a night and day difference. Um, but like I said, I had fun and I learned a lot. I learned a lot. Okay. Um, uh, what would you say the culture was like within that station that you were assigned to? You being the lieutenant, you pretty much set the tone. Yeah, so it was only three guys. So, um, you know, the culture within the department back then was good, but it, it it's it's not like it is now. I think our culture is is better now. Um, I, we're we're very young. We've got, because we've been growing so much. I mean, I've been, we've been putting orient the last two years. I think we've put four orientation groups through Okay. another one coming in October. And then our last one coming in January, which will January will be another big one will be probably like 15 to 20 guys. Um, so we're very young, but they're hungry. 
we've got some good leaders. Um, the culture is definitely different today than it was back then. Mm-hmm. Um, there's more, you know, we just training, you know, it, I don't know, man, it's the fire service today is, is just different. I think with it's, it's the game has changed. The, the game has changed uh, immensely and in, in, in all aspects and tactics with today's modern furniture. Um, we've, we've had to learn new ways. Uh, we're starting, there's so much data out there that's available that wasn't there. You know, I remember back when I started training for us, we didn't have social media. There was, you just couldn't easily plug into the internet and, or jump, uh, jump on social and, and have all these resources, you know, at your exposure, you know, our, our, our training literally was handed to us by VHS tape or DVD. And you were told to sit in your station and watch that with your crews. Okay. Um, sadly back then we weren't really encouraged to get outside of our bubble. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of what we did was in-house and like I said, there wasn't a lot of encouragement to get outside of that. And so we just had our own little culture. We were, we were kind of stuck in our own little culture. And then, like I said, you know, the game has changed now. And now you have social and you have the internet and you have data and you have resources and, and the game is big now. And, and now we're tapping into it and we're utilizing it. Guys are buying into it. Um, not only with the training, but with working out, with with getting in gear. We, you know, we're teaching them early in orientation the importance of that. So, we got a great culture, man. I'm very, I'm very proud of our department. I'm, I'm, I'm not knocking where where it started and where it came from. We ju- we're just evolving. You right. know, we're doing the right thing. We could either turn our eyes to it, or hey, there's a whole new world out there. This is what the fire service is about. We're embracing it and. Uh, and we're growing and we've got a new training chief that just got, got on board with us uh, about the same time that I got on and he's fully committed and hardcore about it as well. So we're doing some good things there, bringing outside classes in. Um, it's a great time to be in the service, man. It, it really is. All right. All right. Uh, what would you say keeps you personally invested to stay positive and loving this job? Um. You know, for me, it was always, I've always been invested, but I think the older I got, the more I started to really understand that this job is not about me. This job, when I, when I tell you for them, like I, I know what for them means. Mm-hmm. And I've learned it more as my career has gone on. And I take that to heart, man. I I mean, when I tell you, I I take it to heart, you know, I understand that I have to be so plugged in, but not for me. It's, it's for my family. It's for my brothers and sisters that are on those front lines with me. And then most importantly, it's for the public who expects us exactly be there and to be at our tip top best when we arrive and and i take that to heart um i know we throw that term around a lot leave it better than you found it but that's my ultimate goal if i could just leave a little behind that made this place better then i've done my part and and i still you know i i know you've seen i post all the time i i live by a motto i I, i've always lived by this as a company officer um I can never have my expectations of my crew be greater than my actions. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's my drive. If, if I'm expecting Danny to live this way and to be this way, well, if I'm not doing it, then, then it, it doesn't matter. You know, there, there's no validity to what I'm saying and to what I believe. And, and I live by that motto. I truly live by that motto. I try to, I try to set that example. Um, I, I stay humble about it. I know that I don't know everything. Um, I know I make mistakes, but I try to learn from them. Um, and I know 
22 years in, man, <laughs> I still have a lot to learn. You know, I just, Kevin and them came down. We just hosted their engine ops class. Mm -hmm. I was a student, you know, I, engine ops back when I came up, it wasn't, it wasn't like it is today. Flowing and going wasn't, right. wasn't right. Like right. We didn't do that. We, we were told when standards, if it wasn't, if you put the wet stuff on the red stuff. Mm -hmm. Oh, and then you had all these weird techniques and whatever. So I got intrigued by that a couple of years ago at Orlando Fire Conference. Uh, Raymond Dorval brought a class in um, the way of the nozzle. Mm -hmm. And I knew we were getting ready to add an additional person to our trucks. And in his synopsis of his class, he had something in there about a doorman. And I had no idea what a doorman was. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, I'm taking the class. So, you know, I'm still learning. I'm still learning. I still got a lot to learn. Um, by no means necessary, necessary. Do I know it all? But, you know, like I said, I, I, that's my drive. That's my true drive. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I definitely see it because I mean, when I met you, I actually, I told you this in person, like you are a district chief, but you still put in the grind and the work as if you were one of the boots on the ground. And you don't, I can tell you my experience, you don't see that very often. You don't see a white helmet putting in the work, grinding in day in, day out, doing the workouts that you do. And I, I have to tell you, I appreciate that because it seems like that's a lost art when you get promoted and you're riding in, in, in a single or you're riding by yourself in, a, in an SUV or, or whatever your, your chief's command vehicle is. No, and then listen, and, and I'm humbled by that when people say that, but sadly it, it does bother me when others aren't like this because I, I'm still issued a set of gear. Mm -hmm. I got gear on my truck. I have an air pack on my truck. I still ride the tools. I have personal tools. I have a 24 inch pro bar and a 28 inch iron Fox ax that I ride in my truck. Um, when we talk about training, I still need to know it. When we talk about VES, I still need to know it. Who's to say that half the city is on a major call or whatever, or not even a major call. We got three or four of our stations dumped on medical calls and a call comes out in my area and I'm first in on scene for maybe three minutes. Mom comes running out. My child is right here in this room. Well, ma'am, you know what? I'm going to wait until my engine or whoever gets here so they can get their gear on and, and take care of that. No, bull crap. I got a water can. I got the tools. I got the gear. Like That's my responsibility. That's that's my job, my obligation to to them. I like it. I, like I said, you don't – I mean, so I, – I can revert back to my memories of so many chiefs. Yeah, you have a set of gear – um, I do like the aspect that you have tools, um, a water can. I think all battalion vehicles should have that because what happens if you pull up on scene to, you know, of something, whatever the incident is, and your engine or your ladder is like a few minutes out, there's no worse feeling than just sitting there watching the emergency grow, not being able to do anything. So the fact that you recognize that and, you know, you state, and I like it, I have a set of gear. Yes, you do. And you're not above putting it on and going to work. No, and, and I and I love putting it on and going to work. And like I said, that's part of leading by example. You know, I'm I'm going to show you that yes, I have my gear. It's I'm going to put in the work. You know, sadly, and not even from my position, from the the ground position, from the tailboard to my position, we all seen it. We all know it. You got guys, gals. The only time they touch their gear is if the call type requires it. But you know, your gear is is a tool. Mm -hmm. it's your most important tool that you have. So why aren't you getting comfortable in using? Period. Period. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> I love the message. I hope I hope those listening, it, it's resounding because I mean. You know, sad to say that there's there's probably uh, some sort of chief out there, battalion chief, district chief, whatever chief it is, their gear is just a paperweight. 
It's just there. It's collecting dust. <laughs> it, the only time it gets it gets put on is it like I said, call dependent if it's bad weather or oh uh I'm gonna go partake in this little training exercise. I'm gonna go put this thing on. Like put the gear on. Just because you're not on the truck doesn't mean you can't, you know, put your I just I, I don't know. I, I just I I never got it. I never got that. It's funny story too. Um <laughs> our suppression chief calls me a scavenger I, 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 every time. Cause I walk into his office, he's got all the gear. He's got gloves, new gloves coming in and I'm trying to snake whatever I can. I finally got another brand new, I, I go through training gear. Like I've, I've been through two sets already. I destroy them. So I've, I haven't had a second set for a while. So I've limited my gear workouts. Finally got a second set of gear the other day. So now I got a dedicated training set again and, mm -hmm. It's like every time you come over here, you're just trying to get something. I'm like, dude, I love this stuff, man. If you if you can give it to me, I'll take it. I, I'm training in it. I love it. I use it. I use yeah. it. Yeah, and, and and I can tell you, at least from my perspective, if if I'm on scene of an incident, and you don't even have to be command, but if I see a whatever chief walk up with a gear and air pack on, that resounds. That sends messages to your organization of okay, like there's no better pumped amped feeling than seeing doesn't matter whatever chief you are a chief that walks in that has their turnout gear on like that's that's good for firefighters to see we want to see that because it shows you're not above us where you can still put in the work and put your gear on i don't forget where i came from and i understand like i told you in the beginning it's truly not about me y'all make me great i don't make me great you know, so I'm going to lead to the best of my ability, but you know, you guys can make me look good or you guys can make me look bad. I believe in what you do. I, uh, and you know, I'm just going to try to do my part and you know, you come to me, chief, you want to go work out? You want to go train? I'm in, let's go. Let's go. Love it. I love it. Um, in your opinion, what key elements or factors are needed to make a good firefighter regardless of rank? Um, you know, regardless of rank, I think first it starts with humility. Um, I think we have to be able to humble ourselves, understand that, A, we definitely don't know it all. I don't care where you are in this profession. You don't know it all. Humble yourself to uh, just to, to accept that and, and stay humble throughout your career. And, and you've got to have a sense of accountability. And with accountability, that means, yeah, okay, I'm humble and I'm accountable. I make mistakes, but now I'm going to take action and I'm going to work on it. I'm going to fix it. I'm going to get better. And then lastly, I think, you know, between humility, accountability, you got to have discipline. Uh, from the bottom up, discipline is what, is what drives you. I don't care what anybody says. I'm not a fan of motivation. Mm -hmm motivation is temporary um, motivation gets me from the couch to the front door but discipline gets me outside in the elements doing the work and and motivation like i said so i think if if we could teach these young guys and, and anybody in their position you know stay humble stay accountable and, and have some sort of self-discipline um and that's at any rank i think as you become an officer Yes, things change because now your your responsibilities and your obligations change, but those three key elements are needed just as much from the rookie firefighter to the chief officer. But to go a step further with with officers, I think um, some key things that they need to to have is um, set expectations from day one. Um, be consistent with your actions and be decisive, you know? And, and I think to me, that's as simple as I can put it. Yeah, no. And it's, it's, it's simple yet effective. I mean, I, I totally got it. So I, I'm, I'm hopefully hoping that others listening can, can, can take away some, some key nuggets. I did skip a question. Uh, what are your ultimate goals, whether short-term or long-term? Um, I think they've changed over the years. Obviously, I think your goals should change, especially as you at attain them. 
Mm-hmm. Professionally, right now, um, I'm, I put personal goals above my professional goal, and my number one ultimate goal you termed it ultimate um i'm really working on being a better husband um and a better father i i think that's where i'm called to lead first Mm -hmm. the job is secondary so for me i got to take care of my my home my family first um this last year been a hard year you know with uh, the loss of one of our brothers and i've had a lot of great people in my corner but you know it was it was actually uh shane bentley we had a we had a great conversation one day and and he said this to me he's like you know brother he's like the fire service is going to end one day but your family's forever And, and when he said that i was like man there's no truer statement than that And that's why ultimately my ultimate goal, better husband, better father. Am I great at it? No. Do I make mistakes? hundred percent. Like I tell my wife, you know, it's, we can say that, but actions speak louder than words. And then that's, that's truly what, you know, what my ultimate goals are. I still have some professional goals. Um, I still have a few years left. I don't know when retirement is coming, but it's soon. I'm there. You know, I'm in the tail end of, of my career. Um, we'll see. But yes, that's my ultimate goal, man. Yeah. And that's an awesome ultimate goal. Cause except family's number one. I mean, you, you know, like I do the fire service, man, it's seductive. You know, if you truly want to be good at this job, you, you have to take time away from family to go to these classes, you know, uh, go out of town to get better. And that time away, you know, like everything falls on your, your wife or your significant other who's picking up the slack that you're, you know, it, it's like your wife is kind of like the slack man. You know, she's she's helping you pull that hose, but she's doing a lot of the work. And um, I like the fact that you you state that because I just like you, like me, I'm I'm trying to work on if I have a bad shift at work coming home, not bringing that negative, my, my temper on her, cause she didn't do nothing. You know, it's just like, I have to learn to, to suppress that or, or get it out a different way. But yes, being there for your family, your true family, I'm not saying your, your fire service brothers and sisters aren't your family, but you got to make sure things are right at home instead of the firehouse. And I, I, that, that I agree with you because I have I have a daughter too. She's only four, but like I have to make sure I'm present when she's there, you know, because it's easy to get social media, man. Especially if you if you care about loving this job, from looking at your phone, watching videos, man. You got to remember, like at, at least I have others, other fathers telling me, hey, that time that she's that small, it's not gonna last forever. She, before you know it, she's going to be off to college, not wanting anything to do with you, wanting to be with her own friends. So take advantage of that. A hundred percent. And I firmly believe, you know, like I told you, your family is where you're called to lead first. If you fail there, I don't care what accomplishment I've made in the fire service. That doesn't matter because ultimately if I failed my family, then I've ultimately failed period. And I, and it doesn't matter what I've done you know, as a fireman, you know, in our, in our Bible, we have a, um, uh, we have a Bible group uh, with some of the uncommon firemen. And we talked about this the other day, you know, and somebody, somebody made a statement and it's so true. It's like, you know, at your funeral, I don't want the first words when you, when Danny walks up to my casket and I, I, I truly hope the first words that come out of your mouth are, damn, man, he was a great fireman. <laughs> I truly hope that people walk up and go, you know what? He was a great man. He was a great husband and a great father who loved the Lord, period. And if I can take care of my home, a good home life makes a better fire life. True. You know, and so you have a, you, there's a fine balance there. It is hard. It's, it's, it's very hard. And a lot of us get, we get ate up with the job, man. And then we tend to forget, you know, who's sitting back here. And like I said, they're the ones that are 
like you said, you have a bad day at work. Who's dealing with it? It's not your coworkers. Mm-hmm. It's your family. Right. And I can tell you that firsthand with my last year with mental health and things that I've, that I went through, my family saw the darkness. My family dealt with the darkness, you know, and then a lot of times when we talk about mental health and we'll get into that at some point, but a lot of times we talk about mental health, we, we only talk about the individual. We don't talk about the backside of that, which is the family mm-hmm. They're going through it just as much as you're going through it, you know, so it's hard. And so, yeah, I, I take care of your home first, man. That's, that's your ultimate goal. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, what would you say to a hungry, eager, motivated, actually, no, I'm, I'm going to change this question just a little bit. What would you say to your younger self, if you found that you were in a position where the department or crew you're with was just complacent and, or lazy. Um, to me, keep doing what you're doing. If you're, if it means you've got to be solo at it, go solo at it. When I was, I mean, and I'll just be honest when I was, when I was a Lieutenant at, um, my my first station my first gig as a lieutenant um i was getting into the firefighter combat challenge and that's really when i started back in 2016 is really when the light turned on with training and gear okay um coming coming up in my career we weren't encouraged to be in our gear we were actually discouraged to be in our gear we were truly discouraged like even working out on shift i remember chief officers like hey be careful you want to be ready for the big one you want to be ready for the big one that's what people said all the time Mm -hmm. whatever fast forward um there were a lot of times i was i got videos man i was looking at them the other day i was talking to somebody about it i got videos back 2016 2017 pulled all the trucks out of the station and i'd build myself a little course in the in the uh inside the station and and i would i'd work out by myself but you know what happens People are always watching. Someone's going to get intrigued. Mm-hmm. You invite them in. Next thing you know, you got another person working with you. Somebody else is watching. Hey, can I join in? Another person joins in with you. Um, if your department has that negative culture towards that and you feel it's holding you down, which happens in a lot of places, mm-hmm. um, go outside, man. Like, like we just talked about social media, there's such a, a, a vast resource of like minded uh, individuals, get connected with them, attend a conference. I mean, like I said, we met each other in Tennessee. How beautiful was that to be surrounded by a hundred plus guys? You know what I'm saying? It right. Was, it's, it's an amazing thing. So you may have to go outside of your department, but don't lose that fire. Stay hungry, surround yourself with, with uh, like-minded individuals, get plugged in somewhere. I mean, there, there's no excuse now. There really isn't. There's no excuse. It's, mm-hmm. it's literally at your fingertips. And I have connected in the last, man, four or five years with some great, great men by doing this. You know, I got truthfully four of my best friends live hours and states away that I see maybe two times a year. Right. My best friend, um, Mark Rossi, uh, captain down in Lauderdale. I think we've seen each other in the last four years. I met him and I met him in a class. We hit it off, stay connected and, Dude, we, I talk to him, if not every day, every other day. And I may, and I may have seen this guy. I've seen Mark probably four or five times in four or five years. Okay. You know, so there's no excuse. It's out there, you know, get out there, get connected, stay plugged in, stay hungry. I promise you it'll pay off. Yep. Like you said, you know, uh, that we're always, when I say we, the older generation is always complaining about the new generation, always on their phones, but there's so many different 
avenues and people you can reach out to. If you don't know how to do something, you have a question, it could get answered just like that because there's so many different people that are plugged in there. So yes, like you said, there are no excuses anymore now. Back then, sure, you know, AOL, dial-up, modems. I don't even know if the new generation knows what that is, but now it's instantaneous. So, Yeah, and it's and that's what I'm saying. I take it back to the early 2000s when I was coming up. You know, like I said, we were in our bubble and I, and we didn't, ha- you know, you didn't know about all, man, there's so many fire conferences nowadays. Right. I mean, I, I'm telling you, I didn't know about this stuff. This stuff that's happening now, the first half of my career wasn't even existent. Um, and now you look at it and, and, and you hear people talk about it all the time and it's a great time to be in the fire service. Dude, you just jump on social. It's every other whatever. There's a group here, a group here, a group here, a group here. Hey, we're hosting a conference here, a conference here, a conference here, a conference here. Like, it's there, man. So you don't – that excuse you can't use anymore. It's, it's yeah. accessible. And, and yeah. get, like I said, get connected, get plugged in. You'll find it. Um, go out to a couple conferences. Those are the best. You want, it, you want an opportunity to uh, – re-energize and rejuvenate your career attend one to two conferences a year yep go meet some of these individuals out there that are that are hardcore getting after it truly passionate about the job truly knows what it's about put them in one room and you cannot walk out of there the same you can't even myself that last one in tennessee man my wife even knew i came home and i was like I went to the Dagum earlier in the year, and that one, the same thing, even guys at work, because I was coming out of some stuff with my own uh, mental with going on with everything and, and came home from that one, and it was just like such a refresher, such a refresher to be just to be amongst people like that all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, 100% factual facts being <laughs> stated on here. These microconferences are a, a, a reset button for for the psyche that that needs to happen so i uh, yes couldn't couldn't state that better um last question for you in your opinion what do you think uh the american fire service can improve on um you know i think we've come a long way so can there always be improvement 100 percent. Mm-hmm. we will never have it 100 percent right that being said, I still think um, on the fitness aspect of it, we can definitely make improvements there. I think um, accountability, we need to stop accepting mediocre, stop sugarcoating stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, the job, its demands on us will... The, the, the demands of the job will never be sugarcoated. So why are we sugarcoating and why are we accepting medi- mediocrity? Exactly. You need, we, you, we, us, organizations, the culture, you name it across the board. We have got to start holding people more accountable. We've, and then again, just stop accepting mediocrity. And, and lastly, I think we've made great strides um, with this, but as we talked about earlier, um, I still feel mental health. We're still behind the game on that. Um, it's a lot better than when I came in the service. You know, when I, when I first started, you, mental health wasn't even a word that you even said. Mm-hmm. You know, we didn't have, when we had those bad calls back then, we didn't have the, the the meetings afterwards and we didn't have people checking on each other. You know, it truly was almost that suck it up buttercup culture back then. Um, lately, mental health, you know, data is out there now. Again, we're using data. Data within tactics is out there. Now we have data that supports mental health. Um, we've seen it with the, the, the rise in suicides in our career, depression, anxiety, mental health is real. 
Um, you know, a lot of times I think we forget on that aspect. The whole the whole country as a whole deals in, in mental health. Right. Right. The whole country. But now you take first responders, you take police, you take fire, you take your normal, average, everyday life. Hey, man, I'm a husband. I'm a father. I got finances. I got my relationships. Normal life in itself is hard. Mm -hmm. Now ask myself to be a firefighter or a police officer, first responder, and deal with what we deal with now. Now we've got a double those um and it's hard and it's hard and you know um i just i just have a great uh, soft spot for for mental health i don't a lot of people don't know you know um a couple years ago uh, my wife and i you know we went through some marital stuff um sought counseling amazing like completely saved our marriage night and day difference um i started then developing and started realizing more about the need and and, and want for mental health in our industry um i thought about life after the fire service i, I a lot of people don't know I, I actually went through the fire chaplaincy program i thought about being a fire chaplain after you know when i retired um ton of peer support classes, critical incident stress management, got hooked up with uh, Chaplain Joe LaCognata out of Marion County, amazing man, started doing all of this. And, and I say this to, to hone back in on mental health, you know, so here I am, chaplain training, peer, peer support, critical incident stress management, hours and hours and hours of all this training. And then over this past year, back in July of, uh, 2022, we lost one of our brothers, Austin Durant. I was a newly promoted district chief, um, had Austin for only a couple of months. We had a tragic incident, um, that happened. Um, I was first on scene with a couple other guys and, uh, he was, he was assigned to my to my crew, and um, and I apologize if I get emotional about this. Um, uh, he got hurt, and he lived for 15 days, and he passed on July 15th of 2022. And I say that um, I have all this knowledge in in training with uh mental health and what makes me emotional about it is you can you can be trained and prepared to help you mm -hmm. and i don't say you as in me but you as in danny yep danny comes to me man i'm gonna lend an ear i'm gonna do what i can to help this brother out well, the same thing happened. We had 15 of us on that call. I spent every day just reaching out, talking, trying to help everyone that was involved that day. But you know who I forgot about? Yourself. Myself. Yep. Um, I was coming home, not the same person going through a lot of stuff. And that's where I told you earlier, you know, it, uh, we talk about the individual. We don't talk about the family. I was, I was wrecking my family. They were begging me to get help. Um, the first part of my, my, my issues were when the incident happened, anxiety hit me hard and, and guilt hit me hard as a chief officer and him being on my crew. I took extreme, uh, I just got really a huge wave of guilt and I started getting this wave of, of anxiety and the anxiety wasn't the, the normal healthy anxiety that you may get um, based on your running calls or whatever. I could find myself driving to work and where the, my route to work, I would pass 
the cemetery where he was where he was buried. And this wave of anxiety started hitting me, and I started fearing, what if somebody else gets hurt? Mm-hmm. And it was killing me. It was absolutely killing me. Um, and it, and all day on shift, I was just constantly, you know, worried about my people. And I come home and sadly there were times where I, I, I drank too much. Um, again, putting my family through some stuff and I wasn't reaching out to get help. And it really took my, at the time, um, 11 year old daughter that said something to my wife that really shook me. And, and she just basically said, you know, daddy's not the same. Daddy doesn't love me like he used to. He doesn't play with me, you know, and, and she lastly said, I miss my daddy. And the only prayer that she used to ever pray at night and in the mornings was please let daddy have a good day and shift. And that's, that's the moment that it dropped me to my knees and I decided to reach out. I was very hesitant. I, I reached out to Chaplain Joe and, I, um, you know, one of the things he said to me, he's like, you know, Nate, he's like, you got to look at it as an opportunity to learn. It's okay to admit you're having a hard time. So you take these opportunities, you go speak with someone. They're going to teach you and give you tools to put in your toolbox to help you recognize when these situations arise because we got triggers. Right. Triggers, triggers always happen. Right. So I did, man. I I reached out. We have a, a, an amazing organization here through one of our local colleges, uh, UCF, uh, University of Central Florida has a UCF Restores program. I got connected with a clinician, went through a ton of sessions. Man, when I tell you, best decision I ever made um, to tell you, man, I can't stress enough. It is okay to not be okay. Mm-hmm. You can't and aren't expected to go at this alone. And if someone out there is dealing or struggling with any of these type of issues, understand, Hey, it's normal. You're not, you're not a weirdo. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with, with feeling or going through this. And get that help, you know, and I had to go through it twice because once I, once I learned to deal with the anxiety, anxiety is no longer an issue. I spent a year, I spent almost a year in the program. Okay. Um, the first two issues I dealt with anxiety and guilt. And, and once I got those calmed down and now I knew how to handle it, anxiety has never been, been an issue anymore. Guilt has never been an issue anymore. Um, but then some other things started surfacing and that was now we were going through a lot of things within our apartment. Our apartment's going through an amazing, you know, a huge uh, shakeup from this. Okay. A lot of, and amazing positive stuff coming out of it. And, and, but there's a lot of stuff going on and I started developing some anger on top of that. And the anger was, was, uh, turning into depression where I didn't want to do stuff. I, I found myself not working out. I found myself uh, not wanting to be around people. And to say that I was able to recognize that early from what I learned in my previous sessions. And I reached back out and uh, started uh, talking to her more about that. And here we are, I, I completed my program and I'm, I'm done. And, you know, and I, and I just, like I said, I have a huge um, place in my heart for mental health. And if it, me speaking about my, my testimony with it and uh, sharing my story can help one individual, then that's more than worth it for me. And it's been amazing. I, I don't even know if you know, but I got connected with Next Rung. Mm-hmm. With Blake? Yeah, man. So... Uh, Blake was a part of our, you know, we had a little Bible group that we had and Blake was in our group. And one day he, uh, he had asked about, um, they were needing some more peer support counselors mm-hmm. or peer support team members. 
Um, so I reached out to him and asked, asked him what that entailed. And it was something that I wanted to be a part of. And so uh, I got connected with Blake and I got connected with, uh, I don't know if you know, Robert Arietta. He, uh, he, I do not know. Yeah. So he helps uh, run uh, next rung and I got connected with these two guys, man. And, you know, you have any chance to talk with these two individuals? Great, great men. Okay. Great brothers. And I got put on the team. Um, uh, my days are actually today, Wednesdays. So there's like uh, the way Next Run works. It's pretty cool. They have like four or five uh, guys or gals that are just ready to, you know, if somebody phones in or texts in uh, to just reach out. And it's And it's been an amazing blessing for me to help share and to help um, just talk. Mm -hmm. And when I tell you that nine, probably 99% of the time when we're going through some of this mental health stuff, just being able to talk to someone and get these feelings out and have these conversations nine times out of 10 is, is, is what it takes. There are those other occasions where, depending upon the circumstance or whatever's going on that you may need to get professional help. Mm -hmm. um, but that being said, man, just get connected with people. Uh, just realize it's okay to be not okay, man. It's a lot of people. And when I tell you a lot of people are going through stuff. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, it goes, it goes back to the, there's a shirt that I see. It says, I'm going to butcher, but something to the effect of, hey, be kind because you don't know what that individual is going through, right. you know, and you can't you can never judge a book because, I mean, people are good. at And and I'm this is no I'm not throwing any shade or make, poking fun of anybody that that deals with this. But those that are actually going through things, those are the individuals that are good at hiding it. Like you would never know because they're so good at suppressing that emotion until unfortunately, sometimes it's too late. And, um, and I can attest to that because I, I, one of my good friends, you know, he even said to me when, when, like I said, I was so dialed in on my crew mm -hmm. and that day, and I was constantly reaching out and, and, trying to help these people and so when i showed up to work that's what you saw you didn't see nate when he clocked out in the morning and he went home you didn't mm -hmm. see that. and and one of and one of the guys literally said to me one of my good friends he was like nate i mean he was he was heartbroken over it and he he was he's like dude i thought of you as one of the the most mentally strong individuals that i had ever met and I had no idea that you were dealing with this because we are. And that's the, just to, just to say, you know, approve what you're saying. Like we're so good at taking care of other people. That's right. And we're, and we're so good at hiding what's going on inside. Mm -hmm. That's a fact. We can show up for 24 hours and we can put on a smile and we can be there and be a good brother and we can train and we can try to do our normal stuff. But man, it's when you get home and you got those two days or something, whatever, just that's what people don't see. People don't see that side of it. They don't. And they're quick to judge. And that's why it goes back to, we are good at helping others, but we are always the last ones to put ourselves first. You know, you, you get what I'm trying to say? Like, a drop of a hat tones go off we don't know mrs mr and mrs jones from adam but we're there to help their situation but when it comes to us we always find ourselves that we're putting ourselves last and i like how with what blake's doing and what many others are doing we need to remember like we have to put ourselves first you know and i'm not trying to say like the community the citizens don't matter when they call 911 yes th they are our primary mission but we have to be good with ourselves before we can be good for them correct if, if when it comes to mental health you have to put yourself first because if you don't if, if you're not taking care of you 
you're not going to be able to take care of others. You may be for a short time. Mm-hmm. Eventually, it's going to catch up to you. And eventually, it, it, I'm just saying, yes, it's not selfish. It's just a, it's a simple fact. When it comes to mental health, you got to take care of you. You got to do whatever your outlets are. You got to get your outlets. I know, I know, just like you said, you know, some people have a, a way when they come home, some of their wives know that first hour or two, they just need to decompress. And, mm-hmm. and my wife is great at that. My, my wife has been my most amazing supporter through all of this. But sadly, she was down in that deep, dark valley with me. You know, I drug mm-hmm. her into those trenches with me. You know, she got beat up just as much as I got beat up. You know, but she she was amazing. So yes, you know, be selfish. Take care of yourself first, man. When it comes to mental health, I, I've I've seen a lot of people, and sadly, you know, some people can't overcome it. And suicide is growing, and it has grown, and it's it's sad. Um, so yeah, reach out, man, please. That's, I I beg you to reach out and just put on record, people are listening to this, man. You know how to get in touch with me. I'm on social. Hit me up. I will. I will. I will promise you. You need help with something, and you got whatever. Reach out to me, man. I got your back, a hundred percent. Yeah, and there are many others out there too. Anybody, any coworker that you have that that calls them that calls you or calls themselves a brother or sister to you, if you have issues, reach out to somebody that you know that's not gonna exploit the information as soon as you hang up the phone they're gonna call hey you know such such having problems they're all that weak mantra mentality crap just put that away you gotta you gotta make sure your circle's tight because that way whenever something's wrong you can reach within your circle and they will be there for you and that's who that's who you will actually know is in your corner because when because we have very many out there, and you know this, that'll say, hey, yeah, any any issues you got, call me, call me. And then when you call them and you go, hey, this is what I'm dealing with, they're going to, those are the ones that, oh, I'm here for you, they'll be like, I, I can't handle that. And you'll figure out real quick who, who your circle really is. Well, <laughs> you know what, I'll tell you lastly about this, and just since you brought that up, and, and I can attest to that as well, I've got... 22 years of experience, 22 years of building relationships with people who I've known for 20 years. I've got people that I've known for 20 years that never reached out. I mean, and to this day, knowing what I went through, knowing everything that I went through, our department went through, I've known people for over 20 years that to this day have never picked up the phone, not even a text, which is the weakest way you can simply reach out to someone. Right. Not even a text message of, Hey brother, heard what's going on. How are you doing? How can I help? Sad. And then go back on what I told you. So, and now I've got four or five individuals that I'm named Shane. Mm hmm. He and I got close over the last couple of years. Kevin Fluger, mm-hmm. extremely close as well. Chris Snow, extremely close. Two of them brothers live in Texas. Shane is in Georgia. I told you my buddy Rossi's down in Fort Lauderdale. These are guys that I haven't known. Rossi, I've known the longest four years. The other guys I've known two years or less who are, when I tell you those brothers that you're talking about, these are individuals that literally picked up the phone multiple times during the week and still to this day reach out to me and vice versa i reach out to them um that we have grown such great relationships and close relationships with and 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 when you find that you gotta embrace that man and and truly 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 do everything within your power to protect that tight circle you know, your circle in numbers doesn't mean anything. It's not about, it's not about the, the, the number. It's about mm-hmm. the quality. Exactly. And when you find that group of, and there's other people out there, man. And I know I, there's several individuals I can, I can give you that have been in my corner over this last, um, but when you find that, 
cherish it, embrace it, protect it, and do everything in your power to just make it flourish. And and because that that is a that is a beautiful thing to have, and it's a rare thing to have when you got truly guys. I say it all the time. It's very easy to climb on the mountaintop of me, brother. But when I'm down in that deep dark valley, you find out who really is going to follow you down there. Right. It is not many. Nope. Sadly, it's not many. So length of relationship doesn't mean nothing. I learned that the hard way. 20 years, you think you know someone and you think that's your brother and whatever. The length of the relationship doesn't matter. It's the quality of the relationship. I don't care how long these guys I've known for a couple of years. I felt like I've known for 20 years because they're, they're truly intimate, true, real relationships. Yeah. No, I mean, what else can you say? I mean, you know, it's, it's I'm sorry. I carried on about, no, that. no, no, you're fine. You, there's no carrying on this. I, this was, I, this is, I, I'm sure the true listeners, true passionate firefighters uh, or true passionate men and women of the fire service appreciate this because it's not talked about certain jurisdictions, certain organizations don't want to talk about it. They, they shy away from it. They're hoping that it never has to happen to them. And that's why I, I always say this to anybody I talk to, Hey, if anyone asks, Hey, why do you train so much in the hot weather and stuff like that? It's because it's not the, if it's going to happen, it's when that's what the fire service is. It's not if, but when you see Bailey G will drop the secret list of this fire department experience, this problem. And then you have guys going, Oh, that can never happen here. Not in this little small town, whatever place that we live in, that's the wrong mentality you have. It needs to be not if, but when, and I don't want that to happen at least in my organization, but not wanting it to happen and expecting it to happen are two different things. You always need to stay on the defense you know, so that's just, that's just how I look at things. And look at it. I can tell you of the, the, the individuals that were on scene that day, you know, here I am 22 years in, it happens at the tail end of my career. Mm -hmm. So 22 years where I felt like I've done well mentally with everything. And this, there's always that, you know, your cup and my cup, two different cups. Yep. You know, you, you can tolerate, maybe more or less vice versa, but eventually there is something out there that's going to overflow your cup. And we've had guys that were on that scene that were rookies that dealt with that to the 22 year guy. It can happen to anyone. It can happen. Like you said, prepare for it, plan for it. There's, there's, there's so many layers of, of mental health help out there there's peer support either your organization may or may not have a peer support team there's national peer support next rung Mm -hmm. you got eap you got chaplains if you have somebody in your church close friends i mean there there are so many ways to tackle it but we all have to be aware of it and we all have to prepare and plan for it and like you said, and then when it comes down, if you're a true brother, then you need to be a true brother. And you need to be there and you need help. Absolutely. Couldn't state it any better than that. Um, but uh, Nate, this has been a, this has been a really good conversation today. Um, we, we, and I, I'll tell you, I was extremely humbled that you, you even asked me to do this. Um, I think what made it even more great for me is I, I love being able to meet you up in uh, Tennessee. I had a blast with you. So even now getting to know you personally and, and shake that hand and, and hug that neck um, was awesome. And so this just even made it more special for me being able to, to sit here and, and share with you. No, I, I appreciate it. I truly do. And all, all this is, is just for people listening to remember this is the greatest job in the world. I'm sure you can attest to that, but you need to be prepared and you need to have a plan in case whether A through Z happens because you can go your whole career and not experience an LDD or have some sort of tragic event, but then that might not be the plan for you that the man has upstairs and you have to deal with adversity. This job isn't easy. 
it is hard work in order to be good at this job. You have to put in what I call the reps. You can't just sit on the couch all day thinking, ah, I'll be good when that call comes out. You know, no, you have to put in the work. It and and for you, like I said before, being a chief officer, it's good to see that. And for any chief officers listening, your organization, we don't expect you to be on every call. That's not that's at least that's not what I'm saying. I I'm adult to realize you have may very many functions and meetings and so forth, but it is good for the troops to see every once in a while you come out and train with the guys and gals, never forgetting where you came from. Because yes, you have bugles, but bugles don't make the fireman. It's the individual. So, and no shade, not trying to throw any chief under the bus, but we just, I want you to think about that. How would you feel or how did you feel back in the day when you had a chief or officer that they're telling you you're doing this, this, that wrong out in the heat training, but they're not wearing a gear. You are, you know, so back to company officers, if you're going to train your guys, if you want your guys to be good, you should be in the same type of attire that your men or women are, are in. That's it. Like I told you, if you uh, don't ever let your expectations of your crew be greater than your actions. If you follow that, that's a that's a recipe for success. Yes, sir. All right, Nate. Like I said, appreciate it, man. Just a real good one. Thoroughly enjoyed this one. I really did too, man. I thank you so much, man. And I definitely will be in touch. Yes, sir. All right, brother. If any of the listeners out there are or know of a great firefighter who embodies the principles of being a great communicator, goal-oriented, hardworking, humble, passionate, and professional, regardless of rank, career, or volunteer, contact me at studentofthegamefirepodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, stay focused, stay committed, and stay safe.